I don't know what's real. I don't know what's not real. Limited Capacity is a collection of six darkly amusing stories about the mysterious ways we interact with the internet and with each other. There's something going on with him. It's like an act. I don't trust him. What? You're staring at me like I should say something, but I don't really know what to do here. That's the whole name of the game. Don't talk about how the town isn't real. Do you understand? Limited Capacity. Available now on CBC Listen or wherever you get your podcasts. This is a CBC Podcast. You're listening to Alone, a love story. And I'm Michelle Parisi. Chapter 5. The Bomb. Love as Torture. I grew up thinking love was torture. Love was passion, drama. I watched my parents fight in spectacular telenovela fashion. I saw my aunt and uncle throw plates and punches while my little cousins and I hid under the kitchen table. These couples loved each other, fiercely. I'd sit at the top of the basement stairs long after I should have been asleep, watching them dance close and call each other darling. A spark in their eye, an affectionate pinch of a bum, a laugh like a teenaged girl. So that's what love's always been to me. Wild and sweeping. Changing from intense anger to soft care at any moment. Of course, my parents and most of my aunts and uncles all got divorced eventually. But by then, it was too late. I'd sponged it all up. Love is infuriating, but worth every fight. It was part of my very blood. Which brings me here, to a place where love is only real if it can rage like a bonfire and also comfort like a fireplace. It's both, at once, the pain and the warmth. It's why my heart is always cranked to maximum. He's come undone. I just threw a vintage ashtray across the room in his general direction. It's made of glass, and when it hit the wall, it sprayed everywhere, millions of tiny pieces all over the room. Some pieces even made it to the kitchen somehow, skidding across the floor. I'm howling, crying, begging him to stop twisting words. We've been like this before, but it's been worse these past few months. These months where something's happened to him, and I don't know who he is anymore. It feels like he's a ghost in this house. A ghost that stares infinitely at the TV. It makes me sad and then angry. And then, angrier. The more confused and angry I become, the more it leads us here, to a place where I throw a glass object clean across a room. Suddenly, there's a tiny voice. Guys? It's Bertie. 
She always calls us guys, which is usually the cutest, but right now it's 1 a.m. and she's four years old and in her pajamas in the kitchen, possibly standing right on top of tiny pieces of glass. The husband springs up like a savior, shouting at me, Look what you've done! and scoops her up, cooing to her gently. He whisks her upstairs, comforting her like world's best dad, leaving me here, world's worst mom. I guess, I can only guess. I don't know why we're fighting like this or what's happening. I'm so unhappy. I miss him and us and I hate him and us and I feel trapped but not in a way that makes me want to break free no just in a way that makes me want to understand and fix a trapping we can somehow transcend together so I sweep the glass I sweep and sweep he comes back he holds the dustpan he explains the properties of the glass to me by way of explaining how something so small could shatter into so many pieces. And then we sit on the floor and talk. We stare at each other across this floor that only a few years earlier we put in ourselves when I was pregnant, tearing it up to reveal layer upon layer of linoleum in every pattern imaginable, decades piled on top of one another, an excavation of another family's life. On this night, like all the others before it, neither of us storms off. Instead, we talk. We talk and talk until we're calm again. Until one of us laughs. Until one person reaches out to the other and we're in each other's arms. Until one of us says, sorry, I'll do better. And the other answers, no, no, I'm sorry, I'll do better. And so, like every single argument we've ever had, this one ends the same. Exhausted, we go to bed together. We tangle our bodies up purposefully and kiss goodnight. We fall asleep pledging things will be different. The Umbrella The umbrella was bright green, like a neon lime. I climbed into the passenger seat of our car one morning when the husband was driving me to the subway, and there it was, sticking out from under my seat. Clearly, it was a woman's umbrella. But whose? And why? I leaned over to get it, but it was jammed under the seat. You might even say purposefully jammed, in hindsight, but you just don't know, do you? I questioned the husband, and he seemed unfazed, saying it must belong to a male colleague of his that he'd driven to a football game. I pointed out it was a pretty fancy feminine umbrella. He shrugged his shoulders. All I knew was there was a good friend of his, a woman he'd been spending a lot more time with lately. He told me about her a few weeks earlier. We had just had sex and were lying in bed. 
looking up at the ceiling, legs in a tangle. And that's when he asked me what would happen if he was unfaithful. What? Um, have you been? He says he hasn't. No. But what if there was someone he was interested in sleeping with? Is there? He says, yes. <sighs> Who is it? He tells me about the woman at work. They've been friends for years and years, apparently. They go for tea every day. They talk about work and ultimate frisbee. She propositioned me once, he says. I thought about it, but of course I didn't. I tell him, I get it. I mean, they're friends. They can talk about work, and I'm sure she understands and cares about it. But I have to ask, has anything ever happened between you two? No, he says. No, nothing has ever happened. Hello, I'm Jess Milton. For 15 years, I produced The Vinyl Cafe with the late, great Stuart McLean. Every week, more than 2 million people tuned in to hear funny, fictional, feel-good stories about Dave and his family. We're excited to welcome you back to the warm and welcoming world of The Vinyl Cafe with our new podcast, Backstage at The Vinyl Cafe. Each week, we'll share two hilarious stories by Stuart, and for the first time ever, I'll tell you what it was like behind the scenes. Subscribe for free wherever you get your podcasts. A few weeks later, the car ride, the green umbrella. Maybe they drove to the coffee shop that day because it was raining. But even though I knew the umbrella was hers, I didn't push it with him. I honestly thought we were going through a rough part of our marriage, that he was finding missing pieces in this woman. I thought he was tempted, but would never actually go through with it. I thought we would work it out, that things would get better. Am I the dumbest wife that ever lived, or what? Kaboom. The bomb drops on me one month after finding the umbrella. One night, we're making dinner, and it suddenly erupts into a huge fight. This time, it's the husband who throws an object clean across the room. The object is a cutting board with a pile of freshly chopped parsley on it. The parsley flies everywhere. Green snowflakes on our kitchen floor. On my clothes. All over Birdie. This time, it's my father who scoops up Birdie and runs out of the room with her shouting, Calm down! He does not calm down. I run upstairs crying and scribble furiously into my notebook. All I said was, why aren't there serviettes on the table? What is the matter with him? Why is this happening? Later, we will jokingly say to people that our marriage ended over serviettes and parsley. No one else finds this funny. We go to bed that night not talking. The next night, he goes out for drinks after work with his colleagues, and he just doesn't come home. 
For the first time in 12 years together, I wake up in our bed, alone. The following afternoon, he shows up and we sit together on the edge of our bed. We hold hands. He says he wants to talk about how we can make our marriage work. So we go for a drive and spend hours in a crappy pub talking about our relationship. He says over and over that he wants to make our marriage work. I say, you have to be in it. Are you in it? And he says, yes. As we drive back home, I feel hope again, like maybe we're coming through the fire. And then he casually mentions the woman from work. Her. I say, was she there at the bar last night? Yes. I don't know if I can say this next part. God, I wish I had a glass of gin right now. But I said I would do this, so... Here's what happened next. I say, Is that where you stayed last night? Her place? He drives, staring straight ahead. And as flat as the road we're on, he says, Yes. Here's what I can tell you. I can tell you this. When the bomb first drops, it feels like the hand of God reaches down and pulls everything out of me. Entrails, guts, what's left of my heart, my breath, all sound. I'm motionless, airless, frozen. Everything has exploded, and yet I'm in some kind of cryogenic state. Life is an instant, blurry, swoopy mess, like I'm underwater. I open the car door and run out into the thick snow. We've pulled over to the side of the road, into the entrance of the cemetery where my grandmother is buried, and my uncle, and my cousin who died too young. The weirdness of this is not lost on me, even in the shock. It's freezing out. My coat is open, and I have no mitts or hat or scarf. But I just run and run to the cemetery gates. They're locked. I feel like throwing up into the snow. I can't stop shaking or crying or screaming. Alternately, I just stand there mute, thinking, it's not true, it's not true, this can't be true. It's so unbelievably cold, the two of us like that, ankle deep in the snow, facing each other beside the massive iron cemetery gates, surrounded by tall, twisty trees that sway in the wind, 
scratching the sky with their bare branches. I'm not here. This isn't happening. But I am. Scattered all over the snow is everything inside of me, torn up and then spit out by this hyena of a man. It's here, at the most awful moment of my life, I suddenly recall a dead moose I'd seen in a national park once as a teenager. It was nothing but bones in the snow, and fanned all around the bones was its hair. Why is it like that? I'd asked. And the park guide said the wild dogs tore into the moose fast for meat, spitting the hair out while they were tearing it to shreds. This is the image I think of in that first few moments of shock. I'm just bones in the snow. Everything has been torn out. The next day, staring right across the dining table at the husband. I call our real estate agent. We need to sell the house. We need to sell it this week. You're listening to Alone, a love story. It's a CBC original podcast written by me, Michelle Parisi. The story editor is Veronica Simmons. Alone is mixed and produced by me and Veronica in our hometown of Toronto. Our theme music is by Yehenda. Explore more at cbc.ca slash alone. It's my digital scrapbook with art, videos, music, and the story behind the story I'm telling. Stick with me. I want to tell you about the fallout. For more CBC Podcasts, go to cbc.ca slash podcasts.